0: have in you today are you here to praise the lord god are you here to praise and give testimony what jesus has done in your life dear lord our heavenly father as we come we come to hear your word we've sung the songs lord we just ask you to fill our hearts with praise Fill them with praise so we can go out of here giving you all the praise and glory you deserve. And Lord, we ask you this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. not just sit here for the rest of the hour and listen to them sing. I mean, they're awesome, are they not? Just the feeling of the Holy Spirit in us. Our lesson is going to come out of the book of Luke, chapter 13, starting at verse 10. Tammy already kind of talked about it a little bit in children's church. We're going to expand, our children's moment, we're going to expand on it just a hair. Now he, Jesus, was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bent over and, and could in no way rise herself up. But when Jesus saw her, he called her to him. And he said to her, Woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she had made straight and glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogue answered him with indignation, because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. And he said to the crowd, There are six days on which men ought to work. Therefore come and be healed on them, and not on the Sabbath day. And the Lord answered him and said, Hypocrites, does not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or donkey from the stall and lead it away to water? So what not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound? Think of it for 18 years, be loose from the bonds of the Sabbath. And when he said these things, his adversaries were put to shame and all the multitude rejoiced in all the glorious things that were done by him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Man, we're on track there. Jesus would have been a neat person to hang around, not because he was just God, uh, because he was a pot stirrer. Y'all know what I'm talking about when I mean pot stirrers? Some people, and you all probably don't know me well enough, some people accuse me, I know it's hard to believe, it's not true, of being a pot stirrer. I know when to say the right thing at the wrong time, or the right thing, I know what to say at the wrong time, whatever how that goes, but I know how to do it. Jesus does this, and if you read the Bible, he does it a couple of times. In Luke 6, it's the man with the arm, the arm has a withered arm. He does this a couple times. He's in the synagogue, he's on the Sabbath. The Sabbath is a day of rest, and he goes along, and I to we don't work, it's the time there to be worshiping God, and he goes along, and he's watching who's watching him. And he knows, because he's God, men's hearts, men's and women's hearts. And so he does this, he could have waited till the next day, he could have come back into the morning, he could have went to the woman's home, he could have done it in private. But no, Jesus heals this woman in front of everybody, in front of everybody. He does the same thing in Luke with the guy with the withered hands, great story. And so you've got to ask yourself, what is the problem here? I mean, what is the problem? It would be like if somebody's having to say, "You know, preacher, I'm going to pay off that church debt today, and I'm going to write the check. Well, don't write the check today because you'd be working. But trust me, go ahead and write the check." <laughs> but, so, what is the problem here? And this is really what we need to get to. This is to you know uh, what was the problem that Jesus was addressing. This is the issue that we need to hear because it's the issue that comes to us today. Uh, We've got to ask ourselves, the the Pharisees, we put the Pharisees in a bad light a lot of times. The Sadducees and all those synagogue leaders, all the church people, or all the the leaders of the the temple and the synagogues and things like that. We put them in a bad light. And really, all they were doing, they were the rule keepers. Because uh, a couple hundred years before this, the, their people spent over 70 years in exile in Babylon. They spent this time in Babylon. They finally were released. They got to come back. They got to rebuild the temple and all this stuff. Of between 700 to 500 uh, BC, uh, they did this. They were, they were captured and sent to Babylon. Why were they sent there? And, and that's the key. That's the key to this whole story, right? Why were they sent there? And you have to jump all the way back to Leviticus 23. Leviticus 23 uh, goes along and it says, And the Lord said to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, The feast of the Lord, which you shall proclaim to be holy convocations, these are my feasts. There's uh, eight feasts. We're going to deal with the Sabbath today. But there's seven other feasts. And you'll hear about, if you follow Jonathan Kahn all this, uh, one day when we do a, a study, we'll do a study of the feast. Uh, because the seven feasts are prophecy. They're, they're coming. the first four have been fulfilled. We're waiting for the last three to be fulfilled. And so it goes along. The word holy convocation is important there. It means dress rehearsal. It means dress rehearsal. If you would come to church at 8 in the morning... When I come here and the praise band comes and hear them practice, it is just as good as the real thing is that they're here. They are awesome. I mean, I just enjoy walking around the church and I can hear them throughout the whole church. It just excites me. They're doing a holy convocation. They are preparing for the service. That's what Holy Convocation means. Preparing for the service. Until the service comes. Uh, And then so the first verse 3 says, On six days the work shall be done, but on the seventh day is the Sabbath of solemn rest. Holy Convocation. You shall do no work on it. It is the Sabbath of the Lord in all your dwellings. The reason they were in exile is because they found a way around God's law. They found a way around it in many things. They started worshiping idols. Money was more important. Jobs was more important. Houses were more important. All the things. You want to think that we got all these problems today. There were all those problems back then, too. They might be just a little bit different, but the problem. Humanity has not changed over the years. We always seem to focus on the tangible, on the material things. And really, we need to be focused on the spiritual things, which is God. But one of the laws that they broke was the Sabbath. The Sabbath is do no work. Well, they like to eat. These, these people are early Methodists. But one of the things you can't do is cook. So they would hire servants. Well, we got these servant girls or servant people from Egypt or some other place. Well, they're not Jewish, so they can cook. They'll cook us these big meals on our Sabbath day. They found other people to do things for them on the Sabbath day. But when you read the Deuteronomy law, nobody in your household, nobody's allowed to do anything. So, they did this for 70 years, God's off <laughs> the punishment for 70 years. And, and so, but we, the Sabbath. Let me explain the Sabbath now to you, real quick, uh, because it's probably still not making sense to you. The Sabbath in today's term, we are busy people, are we not? If you have children, you're extremely busy, are you not? You got one going to college, one's in high school doing all the band stuff, and the other one's doing the other things. I'm not sure what, what he does. All you and children busy, correct? And think about this the divorce, divorce today in our country, how many years, there used to be the three and seven year mark, but really today, the average, focus on the family and the American society, whatever they do, the surveys, how many years is the average person married before they get a divorce? Anybody, real quick? 25 to 35 years of marriage and then they get a divorce. Why? Man, you get married, and of course you're in love, and you know, two become one, and the child showed up, you know, we'll keep it G-rated, a child showed up, and, uh, and then, Lord behold, another one showed up, maybe two or three, you know, you got a couple kids going along there, and all of a sudden, here you're going along, well, those kids do what? They grow. One day, those kids, hopefully, will leave the house. They go to college. They go somewhere, they go do something else. Even if they stay at home, they're doing their own thing, and it goes along. And all of a sudden, you have a couple that looks at each other, they know each other's names, but they really do not know each other. They just don't know each other. We all know what I'm talking about, correct? You know, you've gone along, and and both of them has changed. I mean, you just can't help but change your life, things, and, and circumstances change both couples. And all of a sudden they know each other, they care about each other, but they're not in love with each other anymore. In that intimate love, like they started off with. Sabbath. Oh, and all the all the other people, all the family counselors and all the stuff says, you need to have, and try to be once a week, once a week, all the family counselors says that the husband and wife should get together if it's just over breakfast, over lunch, over coffee. Where you just come together and you talk about each other. You don't talk about the kids. You don't talk about the money. You don't talk about any other problems. You just stay in relationship with one another. At least once a month, you should have date night. Remember, we all heard this before, right? I mean, I've given marriage counseling one-on-one date night. Where just a husband and wife, they go, because if you don't, you will grow apart. You could be working with the same person and still grow apart from that person. So we go along there. God said for six days you shall work. The Sabbath rest is not a day of sitting around watching football, NASCAR, sleeping in. What it really means when you study Hebrew, the day of rest really means it's a day you stop everything else and you come and you be in my presence. The holy convocation because in the future, we are in a dress rehearsal for heaven. We are in a dress rehearsal for heaven. I'm not really a big singer, and I don't sing well. I'm to the Lord who's ever up there, turns my mic off. You're happy because they turned my mic off too. And uh, because, but how stupid are some of us going to feel? We're going to be waking into heaven, and we're going to be standing before the throne of Jesus. And we don't know the words to the song. Amazing grace. Or or whatever other, holy, 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 whatever else we're singing. Because, see, this is practice for the future. God said, God said, I'm going to give you six days to do all your business in the world. And, And that doesn't mean we're not praying to God, we're not there to go on. But just like our marriages, but one day a week, I want it to be you and me. I want it just to be you and me, where all day we spend in each other's presence. We spend in each other's presence praising, praising each other. We spend in each other's presence in the Word. We spend each other's presence in prayer. We spend the day in the presence with one another so our relationship never grows old. How many people in the church do you know they started off on fire? They got saved or started off on fire. And all of a sudden, 5, 10, 15 years later, eh, they just stopped. Or they come, people, this is my other favorite one. People can just hit and miss church. I know we go on vacation, we do things, and sometimes sick or something else, we always can't be in church. But that doesn't mean you're out of the presence of God. You can still worship in another place. But in the majority, we need to be in the church when we can on Sunday. But so how many people you know just stop coming? Well, you know, I know what's going on. I got a relationship with God. Do you really? Man, I get excited, not because I'm the preacher and I get to stand up here and talk, but I get excited about Sunday. I get excited about being here and being in the church. It's not because of the preaching, but because it's the fellowship. Not only with God, but with you guys and everybody else. And so we go along with this. The Sabbath is our date day with God. It's the day that God has set apart for us to come together and to be in His presence. It says that day to come along, to be together, to be together in this. And telling you, people, we're messing it up. We're messing it up so much, so much times we're messing it up. Because we sometimes just take church haphazardly. Church, when I sit there and invite people to church to come along, you know, I always say, I invite you into the presence of God. I invite you into the presence of God. Because the Holy Spirit was here before you were here. The Holy Spirit, I promise you, I was here yesterday morning, I was here yesterday afternoon, I was here yesterday evening. And I can tell you what, I walk in the doors, I walk in the sanctuary, I can feel the power of the Holy Spirit. Vincent does, too, by the way. Uh, And and so those who have pictures pictures on Facebook, Vincent does, too. But we're here, we we feel the power of the Holy Spirit. Man, I mean, there's something about coming to the church and being able to pray uh, uh, during the day. But so it's that way. That Are you taking time to spend in God all through your week, but on the Sabbath day, and for us as Christians, the first day of the week, and and there's a reason for that, but we'll go into later, the Sabbath day. For us is Sunday. because We worship worship the risen Lord. And and so we come along with that. How are you doing? How are you doing? Here's what happens with our relationship. When we don't keep it up. In Revelation chapter 3 verse 16. Whether we don't keep it up as a church. Or we don't keep it up as an individual. Anybody ever study Revelation chapter uh, chapter 3 verse 16. This is the seven churches. This is the last church, and Jesus says, "I wish you were either hot or cold, either one. I can deal with either one, but what I can't deal with is this lukewarm worship. I can't deal with that. I can't deal with you it. just—it's a haphazard thing. And if you're going to do it that way, I am going to vomit you out of my mouth." Uh, what he means by that—remember, ever have a sick child that you were like, "How can that child?" vomit that much, like a hurl, like a shotgun. I mean, I don't mean to get too sick here or nothing. But we, when we were holding it, you've all been there with that? Uh, that's what Jesus talks about. You become a foul, a foul taste in God's mouth when we take worship haphazardly, when we take the day of the Lord haphazardly. He becomes a, 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 foul, a foul taste in His mouth. And so that's why it's important to us. And so we got to ask ourselves... We we, we see this in the scriptures. We could go into the, especially the later, this minor prophets, Malachi. What was Malachi's problem? God's talking to Malachi. What was the problem there? Malachi says, God says, are you willing to steal from God? Take all the stuff you've done because the people become rule followers. They become rule followers. Okay, I've got to get 10%. I've got to be in the temple. I've got to be in all that. The purpose of the Sabbath is not to be following rules. And that's what the Pharisees were doing. They were following rules. Christianity is not a religion. Let me repeat that again. Christianity is not a religion. It is a relationship. God, through Christianity, God offers you a relationship with the creator of the world. See the difference? All the other Religions, Muslim, Buddha, Hindu, and all those things, you got to work for your salvation. It's only in Christianity that God worked for you for your salvation. He died on the cross to keep the relationship fresh. He doesn't want a stale relationship. He doesn't want rule followers. You know, in married life, back to that analogy in married life, <clears throat> As a husband, I know, you know, I'm an example here. That's beside the point. Hush, Tammy. I can hear Tammy thinking already. Uh, but but so on that is, you know, we can do all the right things. We can go to work, pay the bills, uh, help with the house, housework, help with the art. We can do all the right things and not have a relationship with the person that we live with. Is that right? You know, amen there, anybody on that one? Uh, uh, so, along there, uh, so we're going along there. So we're going along there. And so we see this, that there don't be a rule follower. That's the whole purpose of this sermon. Don't be a rule follower. God wants a relationship with you. He wants a relationship, a friendship, an intimate relationship, an eros relationship with you. Not just to go along. Of course, God's in a nagapi relationship, but he wants this eros relationship. He wants to be more. Than just something you do with something you say. A little fish you stick on your car or wear a cross or something else. He wants to be your best friend. He wants to be your mentor. He wants to be the one that you can share every problem with. He wants to be your helper, your comforter. God wants all that. And it starts with when we come to realize who God is. When we come into his presence on the Sabbath day. And our Sabbath day is Sunday. And to worship him. As we get ready to close, there's two types of people in the world today. we we'll run over to Matthew real quick. I talk about this quite a bit, but let me bring this up real quick. We've got enough time. All right. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. One of my favorite verses. This goes along with Revelation chapter 20, 21, that area, too, by the way. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Have we not cast out demons in your name? Have we not done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who will practice lawlessness. Man, if I could get one of you guys to prophesy, if I could get another one to cast out demons and another one to many wonders, we'd grow this church. You can do a lot of great things for God and not be in a relationship with God. You can do a lot of great things for your wife or your husband and not be in a relationship with them, if you know what I mean on that one. So that's one type of person. Are you the one that does a lot of great things for God, but yet there's not a prayer life, there's not a scripture reading life, there's not a praise life with God? Or are you the other one, which runs over to Matthew, it's only a couple pages over, Matthew chapter 25, uh, verse 20, 21, verse 20. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful for over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Which one are you? That is really a serious question here. You can come to church. You can be the biggest tither. You can be the best Sunday school teacher. You can be the one that does the most in the house of God and not be saved. Because you do not have a relationship with the Savior. So I'm at, as, the, as the praise band gets ready to get up and sing again, I'm going to ask this question to you. Because this is serious. The day, we are at the end of the days. To me, we're at the end of the days. The time is near for the harvest of Lord being the rapture of the church. Let me ask a serious question. Only you can answer it. How is your relationship with God? If it is not right today, I, mean, I just encourage you to come and, and, and come at the, at the foot of the cross. Come to the communion rail and, and redo that relationship. Or you can do it in your, your spot right there. It doesn't really matter. God's here with us today. If you come to the communion rail, let me give us these rules, rules of engagement. Hands closed. That's between you and God. You want me to pray with you or somebody else pray with you? Wave us over, hands open. I will come and I will pray with you. Let us pray, dear Lord. As we hear this last song, dear Lord, a heavenly Father, trouble our hearts if they don't have a pure relationship with you. Because what good does it do to be all this and end up in hell? And Lord, we ask you this in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. The father and the child should have. I'm here to tell you, the world is tell you that it's not important, but it is. Eternity is, is at stake here. Don't leave here unless you know you and the father are okay. Dear Lord, a heavenly father, Lord, let your peace, a peace of wisdom and understanding come upon us, let it fill our hearts. Let us be be full this week of your love as we go out in the world that we can share your love with everyone we meet. And Lord, we ask you this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. With great excitement, the whole church said, Amen. That wasn't with great excitement, people, but it'll be all right. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for